When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. It is winning season at my bookie. Use promo code Gators on the deposit of $50 or more, and you can receive up to $200 in cash instantly to your my bookie account. Bet anything, anytime, anywhere with my bookie. And Gators Breakdown is proud to partner with America's number one meal kit, HelloFresh. Go to HelloFresh.com slash 50Gators and use code 50Gators for 50% off plus free shipping. Gators Breakdown, because there's never a dull moment in Gator Nation. And the Gators Breakdown podcast is ready to go. I am your host, David Waters. You can find me on social media at GatorDave underscore SEC. Hey, here we are. Florida Georgia Week. I'm joined by my good buddy Palmer Tom from Dogs HQ on the OWN3 Network. Palmer, you were kind of discussing right before we had a bye week to enjoy a little bit of time off from uh, covering these football teams, but back at it with the big game this weekend. Yeah, always an exciting time of year. Um, <clears throat> you know, it, it really feels like the the push to the finish line starts with that bye week. And, and yeah. um, you know, G- Georgia plays seven games before the bye week. And, you know, it, it, it felt like that flew by, but this is when the big games really start to kick in um, for both these teams. I mean, the, and and for college football as a whole. I mean, yeah. I think you look at the schedules and, um, you know, for, for the most part, you're circling games that are down the stretch. And those are the ones that are going to be deciding who's in the college football playoff picture, who's in these New Year's Six Bowls, who's representing the SEC East in Atlanta and um, – you know, this is certainly one of those games. Yeah, that's a good point. You know, Florida Georgia, of course. This this is a this is a game they both circle coming into the year. But man, going into November, Florida still has Missouri and LSU. Georgia still has Tennessee and Missouri. So, I mean, we're not even close to figuring this thing out yet. Yeah, Ole Miss too. Uh, yeah, right. For, yeah. for Georgia, is a tough uh, non or is a is a tough non East game, but a conference game. Um, so certainly, certainly some exciting games here down the stretch and look, it felt like it was this way last year too. I mean, Georgia played, um, you know, Florida and then Kentucky and Tennessee was in that mix. Uh, Mississippi state was a road game. Um, you know, and then there's always the annual ACC, SEC weekend there at the end with, uh, with Georgia playing Georgia tech, Florida getting Florida state. And so, um, you know, for, for both these teams, um, you know, l- looking at Georgia's schedule, you've got three ranked opponents sandwiched by two of your biggest rivals, Florida on the front end, Georgia Tech on the back end um, with Missouri, Tennessee, and Ole Miss there in the middle. Um, and, and like you said, Florida's got some big games in there as well. So this is when it starts to matter the most. This is when, uh, you know, it feels like football weather in the air. You know, <laughs> the, it gets a little bit crisper. I'm not sure that it's going to feel that way down in Jacksonville, no. but, uh, you know, certainly as you travel around the SEC, um, you, you bring out some some sweaters and some sweatshirts uh, to, to head to the stadiums on Saturday. 
Absolutely. A lot to look forward to as we head into November, but first, Florida, Georgia, this weekend here in Jacksonville. Everybody hit that like button, subscribe to Gators Breakdown if you haven't done so yet. And Palmer, hey man, let's get it started. I mean, I'm sure you're tired of already talking about it, but Brock Bowers, that's the headline of, of what's coming into this game right now. How does the Georgia offense adjust with him being out? Is you know the run game starting to come around, getting healthy there? Um so does Mike Bubba, does he rely on the ground attack more because of this? Or, you know, is it business as usual and maybe rely on those skilled players at receiver and tight end to maybe make up for Bowers? Yeah, I had a feeling this was going to be the first question. <laughs> and, uh, you know, it feels like it's the first question on anyone's minds thinking about Georgia right now. No, I, I think that it's going to be really interesting to see um, because, like you said, there's, there's certainly a lot of uncertainty um, with, you know, Bowers going down, Georgia's best player without a doubt, um, this season probably has been since he stepped on campus. And so this will be the first time that Brock Bowers is not available for the Bulldogs in this run to the past two championships and, and pursuit of a three-peat. Um, he has been a major, major, major factor in the offense. Um, you know, I, I feel like, look, going back to that freshman season of his, Clemson, you didn't really have him circled as, as a playmaker, um, but he stepped in there and, and did some things as a freshman that, that, you know, opened some eyes. And then that next week against UAB, he had a huge play. And from then on, it's been Brock Bowers, Brock Bowers, Brock Bowers. Um, you know, so I, I think that as, as you look at this Georgia offense, um, I don't, you know, I, I think Brock Bowers' absence affects everything. It affects the run game because he's a big time blocker. It affects the mm. pass game because he's a big time receiver. Um, you know, I, it really does affect everything. And so, you know, how are you going to respond? I, I think that to me, when I look at what Georgia has personnel wise, um, they're probably going to rely more on the receivers than they are, um, you know, the, the ground game and, and 12 personnel with two tight ends in there because they've only got three healthy scholarship tight ends. Oscar Delp moves up from tight end two to tight end one. And then you've got two true freshmen, both of whom have been banged up throughout this season in Lawson Lucky and Pierce Sperlin um, that, that are there as well on that depth chart. So, you know, I, I just don't see them going 12 personnel as much. It's still going to be a part of the offense because that's part of what Georgia's identity has been with Bowers. And they're going to use that regardless of whether or not he's there. You know, I, I put it this way to some people that have asked me about it. You would expect Georgia, you know, looking at Georgia and, and its future and, you know, what life there is life after Brock Bowers. And it probably starts, you know, it, it starts a little bit sooner right now. You're, you're getting a taste of it. But, you know, the, the, the full time Georgia life after Brock Bowers is probably coming next season. And you would expect Georgia to win these games without Brock Bowers next season. So. You look at them this year, I think that there's a little bit of a shock factor to it, and you didn't expect that you wouldn't have him for these games. You expected that he was going to be out there and you know, maybe making a push for an invite to New York and a Heisman Trophy spot. Um, instead, you're trying to find answers without him. So, like I said, I think that those guys at tight end spot, they're talented. Um, you know, they will continue to use them. Those guys will be blockers for the run game. But the run game hasn't been Georgia's strength, regardless of whether he's in there or not. And so I think that you came into this season knowing, hey, Georgia doesn't have that dude at running back. Um, and they do have a lot of dudes at receiver. Um, there's a lot of mouths to feed in that receiver room. And so, 
you know, with, with taking Brock Bowers out, you look at those receivers, the traditional receivers more so than you do, uh, you know, trying to replace Brock Bowers in that tight end spot or, or with the run game. So Lad McConkey, Dominic Lovett, Ra Ra Thomas, Marcus Rosemey, Jack Saint, Arian Smith. I mean, the, the list seems to go on and on and on. You've got five guys right there, all of whom could be major contributors to Georgia's uh, attempt to answer uh, how they they respond without Brock Bowers. Yeah, and going to that point, McConkey had to prove himself last year as the go-to guy at receiver, and the other two transfers you mentioned, they were their number one guys before they transferred to Georgia this year. So, you know, there are guys who have that experience of being the guy at receiver. So, probably looking more, you know, at, at that starting this weekend versus Florida. Yeah, no, absolutely, and and look, I think some of this also falls on Carson Beck. Um, yeah. You know, obviously he has had Brock Bowers there as as the check down of sorts, the go to guy, the the safety blanket. Um, you know, you, you feel good when Brock Bowers. You feel a lot better when Brock Bowers is out there because all you got to do is get the ball in 19's hands, and he's probably going to do something special with it. You you can kind of sit back and, and watch. You know, and we we discussed this last week over at Dogs HQ. Um, you know, in in the things that have to happen without Brock Bowers and, and the players you have to count on a little bit more. And Beck is one of those guys. Georgia has had some open shots, not to Brock Bowers, uh, that haven't been hit. You got to be a little bit sharper on those if you're Carson Beck, because you know the the margin for error without Brock Bowers in the lineup is probably a little smaller. You you can't afford to miss on those you know those opportunities that you've got you know you mentioned Mike Bobo and and he's done a good job of getting guys open you've got to be able to capitalize on those and, and that falls on the receivers actually hauling the ball in you know not not dropping it Georgia's had a couple of drops on those deep shots but it also falls on Carson Beck to put the ball where it needs to be so I think overall you know the, the if if there's an overall theme to Brock Bauer's absence is it's what Kirby Smart said. They're not they're not trying to find Superman. They're not trying to find one guy to replace Brock Bowers. It's gonna take an overall team effort. Quarterback, running back, receivers, tight ends, offensive line, throw in the defense too. They're gonna have to pick up some slack. Um, you know, defense, special teams. It, it is an overall team effort to replace a player that has been as special as Brock Bowers. Absolutely. Look, you brought him up, quarterback Carson Beck, Mike Bobo there as well, Stetson Bennett out, Todd Munkin out, so there's a lot of changes in this Georgia passing game. How is it the same? How is it different if Gator fans haven't seen much of Georgia this year? Yeah, I would I would say it is pretty similar. Um, it, it took some time for these two to get on the same page. Um, you, you know, early on, there were some Georgia fans that were calling to see the backup. You know, you, they, they – obviously there's there's a history with Mike Bobo and so you know the the leash was going to be shorter with him mm -hmm. from the fans and their frustration um but you know with, with with Beck you know you felt especially coming out of the spring uh you felt like hey this guy's gonna step in there and and he's gonna you know pick up and and just keep rolling and that was probably a little bit unrealistic of an expectation um you know, I think I think a lot of people just thought, oh, plug and play. He's, you know, he's a fourth year guy. He's been in the system. Um, let's roll. And and to an extent, there has been some of that. There have been moments where it's like, oh, great. You know, he looks like you know a, a seasoned veteran uh, that, that's not in his first year starting. 
But then there's been moments where it has looked like he's a first-year starter in the SEC with a new offensive coordinator. Um, again, same system, same play calls, same you know a, a lot of strategy on on same strategy on how they want to get the ball in the hands of the certain playmakers. But the the execution of it, it, it takes a little bit of time to figure out. You know, for, from Mike Bobo calling plays for Carson Beck takes time to figure out, you know, hey, this is what he likes. This is what he's best at. It takes time for Carson Beck to figure out, okay, this is the way that Coach Bobo wants it run. There was always going to be a, an adjustment for Georgia. Mm-hmm. You know, you lose one of those guys, it's going to be an adjustment. Whether, you know, it was Carson Beck or, or you know, at quarterback and Todd Munkin in there at OC or Stetson Bennett at quarterback and Mike Bobo in there at OC or whatnot. When you change those two positions – you know, when you change one of those two positions, there's there's an adjustment period. When you change both of them at the same time, there's a little bit even more of an adjustment period. And so, look, it's not just Beck that had to adjust to Bobo as the OC. It's everyone on that offense. And so um, it, it definitely took some time. But I think that they have – post-South Carolina game, second half of that South Carolina game was really when I felt like this team – flip the switch, they come out, they, they respond well to a halftime deficit, they, they go on and they win that game. UAB, they come out strong and they, they get Carson Beck comfortable. They roll to Auburn and, and, look, that's a tough place to play. We all know that having been around the SEC, it, that is a really tough place to play regardless of how good of a team you are. We, we've seen you know top-ranked teams. I think the stat coming into that game was the last four top-ranked teams that had played there had lost. And so, you know, that that is just a really hard place to play. Does not matter how talented you are. And so I, I felt like the way that they responded to that game as well, especially for Beck being a first-time road starter um, in that environment, the way that they responded, yes, they, they very much relied on Brock Bowers to go get his 140 yards in the second <laughs> half. It, he, he's, you know, it, when you have him, why would you not? Exactly. Uh, but I think that, as as a team, as a player, Carson Beck and the Bulldogs took a big step there. They come out, they just absolutely dominate Kentucky. Um, little bit of a slower showing against Vanderbilt, and look, that's that to me is the epitome of of what a first year quarterback experience is going to be. You've, you're going to have the highs, you're going to have the lows, and um, ultimately, you, you need to flatline it a little bit and, and find a happy medium of sorts. Um, and, and I think that. When Carson Beck has been, you know, at, at his best, he's been great. When he's been at his worst, he's been pretty good. And so that happy medium is 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 a product that Georgia fans, Kirby Smart, Mike Bobo, everybody involved in this would certainly take. Hey, when your money's on the line, choose a trusted sports book that gives you the tools to win, like my bookie. My bookie, hey, look, it doesn't matter if your team is up or down, you can easily cash out or bet the game live to come out on the winning side. Use my bookie for daily odds boost, same game parlays, and take advantage of huge prize pool contests. Plus, my bookie has a no strings attached cash bonus that lets you deposit and withdraw quick. Just use promo code Gators on your first deposit and receive up to $200 in cash. That's promo code Gators to claim your own cash bonus now. And try the my bookie money bag to grab a potential Super Bowl front runner at long shot odds. Plus, 38,000 on the Eagles and Chiefs. You won't find odds like that anywhere else. So bet anything, anytime, anywhere, only with my bookie.
look, a crazy schedule can make make it easy to fall back into your dinner time recipe rut. Keep mealtime exciting with over 40 recipes to choose from every week with HelloFresh. And look, there's always something delicious to discover with HelloFresh, America's number one meal kit. HelloFresh makes whipping up a home-cooked dinner actually doable with quick and easy options, including their 15-minute meals. That's less time than it takes to get delivery. And with everything pre-portioned and delivered right to your door every week, it's really a no-brainer. I just received my latest meals, and I can't wait to try new recipes, plus my favorite beef, Flats of Supreme. Me and my wife both enjoy it, and the time it saves not going to the store and not having to think of what meal to cook. So go to HelloFresh.com slash 50Gators. Use code 50Gators for 50% off plus free shipping. One more time, that's HelloFresh.com slash 50Gators, and use code 50Gators for 50% off plus free shipping to try HelloFresh, America's number one meal kit. Probably go up front along the offensive line, fighting musical chairs there along the offensive line, much like Florida has been kind of just rotating bodies there up front along the offensive line. Marius Mims went down with an ankle injury versus South Carolina, looks to be back any time. Uh, you, you could probably give us an update there, but also dealing with other injuries as well. Xavier Trust went down last game versus Vanderbilt. Tate Ratledge is injured as well. What's up front look like for the Bulldogs heading into Jacksonville? Yeah, they have been, and like you said, it has been musical chairs on the offensive line. Um, when Amarius Mims went down at right tackle, um, they moved a left guard in Xavier Truss over to right tackle, which meant you plugged in Dylan Fairchild at guard. They have also rotated Micah Morris in there at guard. Um, and, and Tate Ratledge being the right starting right guard has – you know, has dealt with some, you know, bumps and bruises. And I think that we are going to see it's, – it's going to be really interesting to see what Georgia offensive line is is the starting unit. Because like you said, uh, Mims, you know, looks like he could be coming back soon. He had a high ankle sprain and did the tightrope ankle procedure uh, against South Carolina mid-September. We're in late October now. So he is, you know, out of that window. He's He's been practicing – um, but look, he's he's six foot seven, six foot eight, <laughs> massive dude. Um, it, it that's a lot of weight that's being put on that yeah. ankle. Um, you know, it, I guess it helps that you're playing offensive line where you can, you know, tape and spat and you know do everything that you can to brace that ankle, and and you don't really have to be all that mobile and flexible with it. Whereas opposed to like a wide receiver or running back or t- tight end in the case of Brock Bowers. Um, where defensive back where you've got to be a little bit more mobile. Um, So my gut says that we do see Amarius Mims play this weekend. Is he in the starting five? That I'm not sure of. I'm really not sure about Xavier Truss at all um, because, you know, that's a more recent injury. And and that was a low ankle sprain. It wasn't, you know, a a high ankle one that uh, required procedure. Um, but you know, they had a really good outing out of true freshman Monroe Freeling, who was a five-star and yeah. on threes, number one offensive lineman in this past class. So I think that the, the, the good news in all this for Georgia is that they have developed depth along that offensive line, because you've had so many guys come in and play. You've, you've had the starting five of, you know, your, your, your first and your first starting five. 
Ernest Green, Xavier Trust, Cedric Van Pran, Tate Ratledge, Marius Mims, you've had those five play. But you've also rotated in Austin Blasky, who competed for a starting spot there at left tackle with Ernest Green. Like I said, Micah Morris and Dylan Fairchild have rotated in. Monroe Freeling has rotated in. Jared Wilson has rotated in. That's Chad Lindbergh is a guy that they bring in as an extra offensive lineman. That's 10, 11 offensive linemen that are getting in the game pretty frequently. Um, you know, that's not necessarily a position that you want to rotate a ton at, but if you've got the talent that Georgia has and, and you've got, uh, you know, uh, enough comfort in all of them to go out there, why not do it? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely there. So yeah, that's, uh, I'm eager to see it too. You know, I think Florida with their bye week, Billy Napier mentioned in the press conference, they're really concentrating defensively up front uh, of trying to make some improvements there from what we saw versus Kentucky, from what we saw versus that times versus South Carolina, trying to stop that run game. Uh, it starts up front for Georgia, but also behind those guys, senior Dejon Edwards uh, coming off career performance at Vanderbilt. 20, uh, 20 carries, 146 yards, uh, about seven yards of carry there. Got the experience, Kendall Milton as well. It does seem like this ground game is starting to find its legs a little bit compared to earlier in the season. Yeah. I mean, you know, early in the season, they were down Dejan Edwards. He, he missed the first uh, two games with due to injury, came back against South Carolina. Kendall Milton was banged up in the preseason dealing with a hamstring injury and, and pushed through and played in those first two games, knowing that Edwards wasn't going to be available, um, but was not a hundred percent. He has been battling those same injuries, had another hamstring injury, um, MCL sprain. You know, he, he has been a, a beat up player throughout his career. Uh, but this year is, is, you know, really, uh, that in a nutshell. So, you know, Roderick Robinson uh, is a true freshman who had been playing some snaps because they had lost Branson Robinson for the season. Um, not related guys, uh, but those two, you know, easily confused, uh, both banged up. And so, you know, they, they have used Dylan Bell, who's a receiver at running back. Um, you know, when I mentioned those five receivers that Georgia had, Dylan Bell is another one of those guys that can contribute at that position, but he's been contributing at running back and they use him out of the backfield. And, you know, like you said, Edwards and Milton, those two guys, both seniors, both veterans that that understand how it's supposed to look, they have set a good example. And so I, I think that you're, you're right. This group is clicking on, you know, better now than they were early in the season. And it's because they've had guys available for extended periods of time, you know, a couple weeks, you know, j just being able to put those days together and, and consistently go out there and practice and play. And that has helped them, you know, not only as running backs, but as offensive linemen, knowing how to block for those players. And, you know, as an offensive coordinator, Mike Bobo knows how to call plays for those guys this is it's not the strength of their offense, but it's certainly something that when when push comes to shove, they feel that they can rely on it if necessary. Palmer Toms, Dogs HQ and the On Three Network. Joining us right here on Gators Breakdown as we go to the other side of the ball. And Palmer, I think you will probably grasping at straws here if you look at this from the Florida perspective. If, 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 if there is a weakness to Georgia's defense. Where is that at? You know, what is there a place Georgia would like to be better uh, than can maybe compared to the last couple of years on defense? Or if there's maybe somewhere Florida can take advantage, where, where where could that possibly be if if there is one? Yeah, it's it's in the front seven, and and 
it's really, really hard to be what they have been because they had four first-round picks on the defensive line over the last two years. They had three linebackers that got drafted, inside linebackers, two outside linebackers that got drafted. Um, so right there, you've got nine players from a front seven that have turned over the last two years. That is really crazy numbers. And so they've got guys that are experienced. You know, so much of that turnover was, you know, seven of those guys that turned over uh, were after that first season. If if my six of those guys that turned over uh, was after that 2021 season, the, the generationally good defense. And so, you know, they, they had guys that stepped in and came back and, and you know, made plays and, and learned how to be – players within this system. Um, you know, the standard that Georgia holds on the defensive side of the football, Smile Munden and Jamon Dumas-Johnson at inside linebacker learned how to uphold that. Um, guys like Zion Logue and Nazir Stackhouse and Warren Brinson that weren't weren't the focal points with Jalen Carter and Jordan Davis and Trayvon Walker and, and Devontae Wyatt, they became those focal points. And, and, you know, Michael Williams stepped in last year as a true freshman five-star and, you know, he's, he's been big for them, you know, in, going into a second season now. Um, they have talent up front. It is just not as experienced and it may not be first round talent um, across the board like it has been. That being said, that you know that they have still done a pretty good job. Um, you know they rank first in the country, in or excuse me, first in the SEC in total defense, scoring defense, rushing defense, passing defense. The secondary is a strength. You feel really good trotting out there. Malachi Starks, who's all American caliber player, Javon Bullard, who won back to back defensive MVPs in the. Uh, Peach Bowl and, and the national championship game last year. He moved to safety. Tyke Smith stepped in at star. He was an All-American caliber player at West Virginia before he transferred. Kamari Lassiter at cornerback uh, was a starter last year opposite of Keely Ringo, who got picked this past season and in, in the past NFL draft. And uh, look, Kamari might have been the better corner last year and, and certainly is, is you know a top 20, top 25 corner in the country this year all SEC caliber player there opposite of him. You've got former five-star Dalen Everett. Uh, you're rotating in a former top 100 player in Julian Humphrey. They feel really, really, really good about the secondary because they've got a ton of dudes, a ton of depth uh, and, and a ton of talent at that position, those positions. The front seven is where if you're asking me for a quote unquote weakness of this Georgia defense, it has been that front seven. It has been against the run. But like I said, uh, they still rank first in the SEC. Palmer, that's a conundrum, I think, for Florida. I mean, because you got to – of course, Florida would love to run the ball with ETN and Johnson, and that probably would be the easiest path to a victory. But then you go and look at it, Georgia hasn't lost many games lately. And when they have, you got to go to a Bryce Young. you got to go to a Mac Jones, a Kyle Trask, a Joe Burrow. The, the last four quarterbacks that have beaten Georgia were – uh, Heisman Trophy finalists, right? That's what I'm and, saying. And, and and the the one that gave them the best shot at that time uh, in, in beating them that, that didn't beat them would be either Bryce Young, who won the Heisman that season in the national championship game, or C.J. Stroud, who was a Heisman finalist in, in that Peach Bowl. Right. That's what I'm saying. So we know Graham Mertz is coming off his best performance of his career against South Carolina and South Carolina is not a very good pass defense, but at the same time, if you're going to beat Georgia, it's probably going to have to be 
throwing the ball 40 times, pinpoint accuracy down the field. But given the quote-unquote weaknesses in the front seven, you know, maybe Florida finds a way to, to get – that's the conundrum of Georgia's defense. Yeah, that's why and, they're so good. And and to me, it's either you're going to have to pass the ball and hit on those explosive plays and, and, and you know, maybe not necessarily have, a, you know, 75% completion percentage, but, you know – you're going to hit on those explosive plays and, and Georgia's done a good job of not giving those up. But also I think that it, it's either that, you know, through the air, that, that approach, or you're going to try to attack them on the edge. And that's yeah. where Georgia has not been as strong in that front seven. You know, the, the linebackers, you know, Kirby has said this, we want you to run North South on us because that's where we feel good. We feel like we can, you know, if, if you're running North South on us, it's an issue. Uh, you know, that's, that's where we feel like we can, we can plug it up. If you can, you know, we're trying to force you to the edge because we feel like our speed at inside linebacker and, and defensive end and all of those positions can get to the play. You can, you can have the safeties come downhill and, and make plays. That's why Malachi Starks is one of the top teams, top tacklers the last two seasons. Christopher Smith was in that role. You know, go back you know, all the way back to those, you know, earlier Kirby Smart era teams, Richard LeCount and J.R. Reed, and all those guys were, you know, the it, safety is a position that is constantly among the team's top tacklers. And it's because they, you know, try to force go force plays out to the edge and, and let those inside linebackers roam side sideline to sideline, Roquan Smith-esque, Nicobe Dean-esque, those two won Buckkiss Awards doing that. Or they let the safeties come downhill and make plays. So I, I don't think that they have, you know, the same speed at inside linebacker that they have had. Jamon Dumas Johnson is is not the quickest player, um, but you know, certainly a, a downhill, you know, run stopper. Smile Munden is is a really quick player. He's not Roquan Smith though, um, you know, but very few people are, yeah, right. um, you know, and, and so. You know, they, they at outside linebacker Chaz Chambliss hasn't been what they've had, but again, they've had Nolan Smith, who was a first round pick. Uh, they had, you know, Robert Beal, who was a sack leader on that 2021 team. Um, you know, they they had go, go back to the 2020 team, and you had four incredibly talented guys, so much so that they had Jermaine Johnson transfer out to Florida State, where he went on to be a First round pick with the New York Jets. So, uh, you know, I think that you look at Georgia again, that front seven would be a, uh, you know, quote unquote weakness of this defense. And it's more so on the edge than it is on the interior. Um, and, and look, the teams that have had success running the ball against Georgia, Auburn was the first team to run for over 200 yards on Georgia since 2008, excuse me, 2018. Um, and the, the way that they did that, quarterback run right i don't know that graham mertz has that in his bag of tricks uh but you know if, if you can find ways to get somebody like you know trevor Etienne or eugene wilson out on the edge get them the ball in space and make georgia make plays on the edge that's how you could maybe beat this team yeah that, that's where i was going to go exactly next i mean given what you said there that's what i would expect we've seen 
some wildcat with Wilson and Etienne. Etienne threw, threw one, a, a two-point conversion to get South Carolina out of that formation. But I'm sure you know Florida can mix in the run with him as well. We've seen Montreal Johnson in the wildcat as, as well. So yeah, I would expect you know if Billy Napier's got to pull out all the stops, that's probably where he would start getting those this, guys. This is where you really miss Anthony Richardson against against yeah, a team yeah. like this that you know maybe struggles out on that edge run game. So. Um, yeah, that that's the kind of quarterback that it takes. You know, it, it it takes a great passer or an elite runner to beat Georgia. And and if you can find a combo of the two, I mean, Bryce Young made plays with his legs last time that, that Georgia lost a game in that in that 2021 SEC championship game. Bryce Young made plays with his legs that that we hadn't seen. CJ Stroud made plays with his legs last year. Uh, in, in the Peach Bowl that we hadn't seen. And so Georgia is susceptible to a little bit of a quarterback run because, like I said, Kirby and, and this defensive staff of Glenn Schumann, Will Muschamp, all these guys, they want you to try to they, – they feel very confident that they can – you know, you keep it between the tackles, we can stop you there. You get outside the tackles, we're going to have to rely on our athletes to go make plays. Good stuff, good stuff, Palmer. Looking forward to this game here. In Jacksonville this week, uh, everybody can check out what uh, Dogs HQ on Three Network. You guys got coverage there all week long uh, from from the Georgia perspective, right there. Palmer Tom's Dogs HQ on Three. Hey Palmer, thank you so much, man. Absolutely. All right, everybody, that'll do it for this episode of Gators Breakdown. You can find me on social media at GatorDave_SEC. Guys and girls out there, thank you for joining us on this episode of Gators Breakdown. <laughs>